You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. So I want to talk, talk to you about and give you keys to staying in God's love. So if you remember... We talked about levels of love. Well, I talked and you listened, but I talked about levels of love. Man, you guys are really need to smile at me, and I'll stop being ridiculous, okay? I just, I just need that for me this morning. I had a rough day yesterday, and it was nothing but a demonic, flat-out demonic attack against, against me. And I can't go into all the de- details, but the devil hates us, and he hates what we're doing. And we're getting ready to step into something tremendous that's been in our hearts for a lot of years. And it's like all of a sudden tonight is our first evening service over in Bonterre. And I'm just, I'm thrilled about what God's doing. Amen. It's going to, it's going to be awesome. I didn't need, I didn't need, I don't need anything else to do. I'm plenty busy. As a matter of fact, Liz, even like, like two weeks or a week before all this started to come about, she said, I, I really feel like I'm supposed to have a Bible study over there because her hairdresser's over there. I was like, we don't have time for a Bible study over there. Are you kidding me? We're so busy. And then like a week later, it's like, hey, we're, we're going to start a church over there. <laughs> so, not start, but just go in and help and build up what God has already, already has there. So it's going to be really amazing. So, you know, walking in, walking in love is something we're called to. And I talked about five levels of love. And then I talked about hindrances to walking in love or being in God's kind of love. And there is a difference between what the world calls love and what God really defines as love. And I wish we, I wish we had a better English word to perfectly describe. Agape, most of us are kind of used to it, although that's a Greek word, but most of us kind of understand that means no strings attached, no performance involved, just unconditional love given from God to people. That's that's God's kind of love. So when we talk about love, that's the kind of love we're talking about that we want to be in and operate in all the time. And so I, I want to give you two keys to stepping into or staying in God's love. And this is not only true for staying in God's love towards you, but you staying in God's love towards other people. And I believe in the days to come, this is one of the, this is going to be maybe the most important thing that we could possibly understand is just, just the love of God. And when you look in the, the letters in the New Testament, specifically Paul, and he's writing to all of these churches, he's writing to people that were under tremendous persecution. And I believe that there's two things that are happening in our world simultaneously. I believe that there is an increase of awakening in the church, the church first. And then also it's going to affect the whole world. But I also believe that the evil in the world is also growing more evil. I think both things are happening at the same time. And I think that speaks to what Jesus said would happen uh, at the end before he returns. And so it's important that we understand something, that what happens in the world as far as the negative things, the difficult things, the challenging things, even potential persecution, it's a reality of what is happening in our world. And, you know, Afghanistan, what's happening in Afghanistan is just, I don't even want to get going on that because our so-called leader is responsible solely for all of it. But anyways, um, but that's the kind of stuff that's happening in our, 
in our world. And we need to be at a place to where we can actually handle that kind of stuff. I think, it, I think any leader would do their people a disservice to not have them prepared to handle things that would come, whatever, whatever may come, whatever may be. And so talking about the love of God is, is actually how we become established enough to be able to handle whatever would come our way. Because when you are solid and secure in the love that God has for you, I'm not saying other things don't matter, but other things don't matter. When you know God loves you, you know you are loved by God and he cares for you, then nothing else really matters. And when it comes down to it, all of the, the bells and whistles and all of the comforts that we have in our Western world, in six months or a year or two years, all of it could be gone. At the rate that things are going, all of it could be stripped away from us. And what do we have left? We have our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with each other, and that's basically it. And to, to be honest with you, I'm okay if it comes to that place. I love all the things that God's given us, but if we had to go underground, and I know that sounds extreme, but it, it's, it's knocking at our door. It's, it's knocking at our door right now. There are powers that be that are working to destroy America, and they're working very, very fast. We're in the middle of the country. We might be the last to get hit with things. I don't know. But it's for real. It is for really, really real happening. And I don't want to be like a frog in boiling water. We need to continue to pray that there's a release and there's a removal of these things and these wicked people be cut off and put out. And I actually believe that America has got many more years of greatness. I believe that with everything in me. But we also at the same time need to realize that at some point, the end is going to come. The Word of God reveals that. There is an end to all of this stuff. And before the time of tribulation, it's, there's, there's an escalation of this kind of stuff. And it doesn't say anywhere in the Bible that America is left out of it. So you go into other parts of the world, and they understand persecution. They under, I, I was in Niger one time, and I ministered in several different churches. And it's Niger's in North Africa, and Northern Africa is one of the worst parts of the world because the, the, the Muslims just absolutely kill Christians there very consistently. Well, several of the churches that I were in, they, that I was in, they, they were a, a, a network of churches, and they went and they burned churches down and burned the pastor's homes down of those churches and said, don't ever try to build again or we'll burn them down again and we'll kill your people and all this kind of stuff. And they for real do that stuff over there. And going over there and, and being with those kind of people and then coming back here and then the problems we have, it's like we don't even really know what problems are. And I'm not, I'm not like one of those kind of people like we should feel bad for what we have. I thank God for the blessing of air conditioning and nice carpet and nice chairs to sit in and, you know, all of the creature comforts. I'm fine with that stuff, but we have to be prepared and realize what is really most important in this life. And it's God, His Word, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and most importantly, the love of God, because it, it, it is the tie that binds us. And if it's not there, when things get difficult is when we disband. And I've seen this, and we, we see this, you know, over the whole, the whole vaccine thing. You know, I am not a pro-vaccine person. Liz is not a pro-vaccine person. But there are people in this room, multiple people in this room, and that are listening on live stream that are pro-vaccine people. Who cares? 
Are we going to cut each other off because we have a difference in, in view on that stuff? No. We have to, we have to love each other. The, actually, some of the things that are happening right now in our country, it's a test to see where the church is at right now. And I can tell you, by and large, the church is failing miserably. Miserably. There's a real lack of love in the church, and I just declare this church won't be there. I'll tell you the truth. You want to come to me and ask me what I think about things? I'll tell you the truth, but I'm not going to cut you off. I'm not going to stop loving you. Amen? There's supposed to be something that we have that we are so bound in Christ together that we don't let anything separate us or pull us away. And I think as, the, as we see the day approaching, that's why it says in Hebrews 10 and 24 that we should, we should assemble all the much more because as it gets scarier out there, we need each other more in here. Whether it's literally above ground or we're meeting in home secretly someday, I, I don't know. You say, that seems too extreme. I never would have thought that, that the Supreme Court would have ruled in favor of gay marriage. I mean, people in 1973 probably never thought that they would have actually legalized abortion. Crazy stuff's happening in our world. I mean, this whole, the critical race theory stuff that's going on is just, it's crazy when you sit and look at it. People don't know which bathroom to use. If your plumbing's this, go here. If your plumbing's this, go over here. You don't know which gender you are? Check your plumbing. You'll know. I mean, it's just, but the world is just crazy. Nothing surprises me anymore. Let me give you a couple of keys. Uh, everybody okay? Okay. Let me give you a couple keys to getting in or staying in the love of God. Now, I want to read this, this chapter. We all know it, but I just felt impressed to just read this to you. And just, just to look at it and read it, because I think it's one of the greatest chapters in the whole Bible. And it's 1 Corinthians 13, and I think we probably have it up here on the overhead. We can, we can look at that if you don't have your Bible, but if you do have your Bible, read it. If you don't have your Bible, you should bring your Bible. 1 Corinthians 13. And know this, that every time it says love in here, it's talking about agape, it's talking about God's unconditional kind of love. It's not talking about any other level of love, any lower form of love. It's talking about the highest level of love. Though I speak with tongues, with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You know, I grew up, well, we have a drummer in our house now. <laughs> and I grew up, my brother is a drummer, and I grew up in a house listening to a drummer. And you know one of the most obnoxious sounds you can hear is a drummer all by themselves? It's, it's awful, especially if you go in and you hear the cymbals or whatever. You know, I, I'm thinking go in because he was in another room and we carpeted the wall. We did everything we could and it was so obnoxious. But you put it with other instruments and the drums are amazing. And so, you know, that's what it looks like when people have got all the goods, but they don't have love. They just become annoying. So if you're not walking in love, you're just annoying. That's, that's what you are. So get in love and don't be annoying. Amen. Although I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. This is really, really, really profound, especially in charismatic, Pentecostal, word, even grace people. I know some grace people that are the most ungracious grace people that you'll ever meet in your life. They're grace Pharisees. They run around, and if you don't have your doctrine lined up, they jump on you like, 
you know, whatever, like white on rice. I don't even know what that means, but it's very quickly and very harshly. And it's like, my gosh, the whole deal with this whole thing is we're supposed to walk in love. And if we, if we don't have love, that says it right here, but we've got all of this other stuff, and you could fill in the blanks. You could be the greatest preacher. You could have the greatest business. You could ha- see the most people healed. You could give the strongest, most accurate prophecies. You could have all of your stuff together. You could have whatever is going on. But if you don't have love, you don't have anything. Now, let me, let me tell you this, too. This is really important. When it comes to love, when it comes to God's kind of love, it's not just being nice to people. It's actually speaking the truth in love. And this is how I know the church does not have love. It's not operating in love because it's not speaking the truth. Now, some are. I'm not lumping everybody in with this. but So some are. But as a whole, the church in our society does not operate in love. Because when it comes to things such as homosexuality, they're afraid to say, actually, homosexuality is wrong, and we don't agree with people in that lifestyle, but we do love them. Is that so hard to say? No. But they want to pander to people's emotions and people's political views and stuff. I'm never going to do that. You know why? It's not love. You know what love is? Is to be able to look at somebody and say, you know what? God loves you. He, he cares so much for you. He created you. And he's got a, a, a great plan for you. Now, you could stop there and you wouldn't offend very many people. But if you were had a relationship and the right to speak into their life, you should turn to him and also say, and by the way, the decisions that you're looking at making as far as changing your sex and all that kind of stuff is total nonsense, and I'm going to tell you the truth because God made you the way that you are, and you just need to discover how he made you inside and out, and that will help you get past all of the stuff that you got going on. You don't have to be mean when you say it, but that's love. Love speaks truth. Love tells the truth. If you, know, if you were standing out on 61 out here, and there was a bus coming down the road, and I told you, hey, look out. Look out. <laughs> and if somebody saw me doing that, and then you got run over, they'd probably say, well, why didn't you yell at them? And if, and if I said, well, I just didn't want them to think that I didn't love them. <laughs> no, telling people the truth, getting them to be awakened to the reality of what's going on, that's love. And the church as a whole has been looked at as being completely void And really not even a factor in our society because we don't speak the truth. But it is changing. There are people that are standing up. And I could go through a whole list of names of ministers that I think, even ones that I probably wouldn't agree with doctrinally, I think, that's my man. That's my woman. They're right on. They're willing to stand up and speak the truth. That's love. So when you talk about love, it's not just, oh, we're just being so nice to you and we don't want to offend you. Sometimes telling people the truth is offensive to them. But it's not our job to reject the truth for people. Sometimes we're too afraid to speak the truth because we don't want to offend people. And when we do that, we're actually rejecting the gospel for them. They'll praise God. So you can have all the stuff, but if you don't have love, you don't have anything. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You know that, again, love will speak the truth. I was just talking to someone the other day. I forget who it was. I was somewhere. 
I don't remember if I was ministering or what I was doing, but I was just talking about I was, when I was actually in Niger. We met this uh, missionary people over there, and the guy I was with knew of their ministry, and they basically would go and they would drill wells to give water to people that needed water. Now, how many of y'all know that that's a really, really good thing to do? That's a great thing. But they would give them water, but would never open up their mouth and preach the gospel to them because it was offensive. So you're giving people water to help their thirst here on this earth, but you neglect to give them the most important thing, which is eternal life. And so once they die, the water mean, meant nothing to them because you didn't preach the gospel to them. So that brings us into a new light. Although I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, have not the truth to tell them or enough gumption to tell them the truth, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, does not parade itself, uh, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Those are some pretty, that's some pretty strong language when, when you think about that. We put a lot of importance on prophecy, on knowledge, on tongues, which I'm going to mention briefly because I'm about out of time. We put a lot of emphasis on all of that stuff, but it says all that stuff's going to, it's going to fade away. It's going to vanish. But as we go on to read here, we discover love doesn't ever, ever, ever vanish, doesn't ever fall away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, verse 10, but when that which is perfect has come, which is talking about our glorified body, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, understood as a child, and thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Only three things abide Last, according to this, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of those three things, the only things that are going to, to abide, love is the greatest of all of that. Praise God. And look at here in verse four, chapter 14 and verse 1. Here is key number one I want to give you to staying in God's love. Key number one, pursue love. I'm going to give you two keys. You might have just missed the first one. Pursue love. Pursue it. Pursue it with God. Pursue it with people. Pursue it in your actions. Pursue it in your thought. I really believe that if we would pursue God's love in the way that we think, and I'm preaching to myself, if we would pursue God's love just in the way that we think, it would literally change our, not only our mental health, but also our physical health, all of that. Anybody in here ever heard of Carolyn Leaf before? Probably I've mentioned her a couple times. Well, she's, she's got this revelation and all the science to back up the fact that we were born to operate inside of love. And thoughts and emotions and things that happen outside of love actually rewire the physical brain and create negative wrong pathways that bring destruction to the physical body. Now, you'd have to go and get all of her materials to get the science behind it. Again, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to tell you more than that. But it's true. 
And we have so much that happens in this life, in this world, that tries to pull us outside of God's love. But if we would just get in love and we would stay in love, we would have better results in every single area of our life. The way that we think, the way we relate to people, even the conditions of our, of our body, even I believe that love acts as a preventative against disease. And I could give you scripture verses to back that up. Psalm 91 is a, is a perfect one. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Well, the only way you're going to go there is if you know God loves you and you know, you know you're accepted by God, you'll go there. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then it gives this whole list of protection, provision, health, deliverance, healing, everything that God has given to us, all because we dwell with him, all because we know that he loves us. The love of God is the most powerful force on the face of the earth. And we should be so compelled to want to always be in love. So first step, first key, pursue it. It doesn't come to you just automatically, just naturally. Nothing in this world is, is really in the natural world anymore because it's been so ravaged by sin. Nothing really works according to grace or love. Not like it truly should. Everything that we do, everything that we do even from when we're kids, you know, we... we uh, you know, we do something good and we get a cookie and we feel loved. We mess our pants and we get a whooping. And we don't feel so loved. You know, we, we, don't, we don't just get money handed to us. We have to go and work for it. We have to earn it. So all of these things are ingrained in our society, in our culture, the way we were raised. So if you're going to pursue love, you have to step outside of the, the, maybe the current knowledge or current revelation or, or current scope of how you see love and really begin to see it as the Bible describes it, as God describes it, and according to who he really truly is. And when we will pursue that, it will cause other things to work properly in our life. Key number one, pursue love. Let me give you key number two, and then I'm going to stop with this. This is what I wanted to give you today. So simple, so quick, so easy. Jude, go to Jude, and there's only one chapter in Jude. Jude Chapter 1, we're very familiar with these verses I'm going to read. We're going to go to verse 20 and verse 21. But know this about Jude. When you go through and you read everything up to this point, it's basically all really rotten. I mean, he's talking about apostasy in the church and people being fleshy and all kinds of bad stuff that's going on. I mean, he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah and comparing people to Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he gets down to verse 20. And he says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And the result is, is that you keep yourself in the agape, the unconditional, no strings attached love of God. And you say, what does it mean to pray in the Holy Ghost? It means to pray in tongues. We have one of the, the, the least used, most often gifts, but undoubtedly probably the most powerful thing that God has given us outside of his word is the ability to pray in tongues. And we, I'll just be honest with you, we don't use, utilize the gift of tongues like we need to. If we did, if we would utilize it properly, we would see victory faster, quicker, and have less things come our way. Because when you pray in tongues, you're totally, you're totally shutting, shutting off all of your reasoning, all of your understanding. I, I have found it to be 
I, I want to say impossible. Maybe it's not. But for me, it basically feels impossible to worry, fear, fret, be depressed, be discouraged, be dismayed, be anything when I'm praying in tongues. Because when you pray in tongues, it is a faith decision, a faith choice to say, God, I'm not looking at the natural, but I'm going to do something to act in faith to release what I know is true in the spirit. And still, I've been praying in tongues for 21 years now. And it still is like my mind still goes, what are you doing? Because in the, not as hard as it used to, but because in the, in the natural, you pray in tongues and it's like, it doesn't even make any sense. That's the point of it. Because when you pray in tongues from an utterance coming from the Holy Spirit, you're speaking the hidden wisdom of God in a mystery. And if there's one thing that we need when we get into a difficult situation is we need the wisdom of God. The Bible says that, that wisdom is the principal thing, meaning it's the ruling thing. We need the wisdom of God, and the way we get the wisdom of God is by praying in tongues. And when you pray in tongues, you shut your mind, which is sometimes the greatest thing you can do. You shut your mind off. Our mind dis destroys so many of us so much of the time because we feed on all of the things that we see in the natural. But when you pray in tongues, it's like you're choosing to say, I'm going to feast on God. I'm going to feast on his word, and I'm going to feast on the solution to this problem, and I'm actually going to speak it out of my mouth. And then after I speak it out of my mouth, God's going to give me interpretation to what I prayed. Because it says in 1 Corinthians 14, it says that he who prays in a tongue, let him pray that he interprets. See, most people think about tongues as being in a corporate setting to where someone has a tongue and there's an interpretation of tongue. That's one kind of tongue that can operate. There's, there's multiple kinds of tongues, but that's one kind of tongue that can operate. But the Bible actually talks about when we have a personal prayer language of praying in tongues, that we can pray that we get an interpretation to the thing that we pray. If you need an answer to your thing, to your problem, whatever it is, you need to pray in tongues. It's a total faith thing. It makes no sense to speak something out of your mouth that you do not understand. <laughs> That's how the kingdom of God operates. Oftentimes, you will do things as an act of faith based on what God says, even though some things in the natural circumstances would not say that that's what you need to do. You know, the quickest manifestations I've had for healing is when I did the opposite of what my body felt like doing. I remember one time years ago, I felt like I, I could feel the flu was trying to come on me. Y'all, you, you, you've been there before. Usually it seems like it's in the night. All of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh. And I had just a feeling of it come on me. And I said, absolutely not. No. And I got up and I ran three miles. And the whole time I, I ran, I was ready to puke. I, was, I had uh, uh, a fever. I mean, I was sweating. I felt awful. But by the time my three-mile run was done, it was totally 100% gone. I had another time when I was driving down the road, same kind of stuff, just a, just a whatever kind of coldish flu kind of thing coming on. And I, got, I just started praying. I just started praying. and Actually, I started praying in the Holy Ghost. And I just got a boldness rise up on the inside of me. I was back when I had a crank window on my truck, and I'll never forget, I was going over Boone's Bridge on Highway 40, going from Chesterfield to going into St. Charles County. I'll never forget, I rolled my window down, and I said, get out of here in Jesus' name. Go on, get out. And I guarantee if there's anyone that saw me driving down the road, they're like, what? Why would you do that? 
Because, I don't know, I just felt impressed to do it. But you know what? By the time I got to the other side of the bridge, every single symptom was 100% gone. There wasn't even a trace of any of whatever was trying to come upon me. Sometimes you just do things in faith to get the results that God, that God has for you. Faith is really the currency in the kingdom of God. And faith is required because you have to believe something that you can't actually see with your natural eyes. You know what the opposite of faith is? It's actually, I used to say it's unbelief. Unbelief works against faith, but really the opposite of faith is sight. Selah, selah, however you say that. Think about that for a moment. The opposite of faith is what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. I'll say your five senses speaking to you something different than what God says. And then that's where unbelief comes in because it's like, oh, God, I know you said this, but I feel this way. My body feels this way. My, look at my checkbook, God. You could see my checkbook. And that begins to speak to you. And that's when you shut your mouth off and stop saying death things, and then you begin to pray in tongues, and then let God fill your mouth with the wisdom and the Word of God, and then you'll see the result that you need. <laughs> but praying in tongues, I could go down that course for a while. Praying in tongues, and I want to just end with this, it's the second key to staying. It says it right here, keeping yourselves in the love of God. You know what that means? When you have to keep yourself in the love of God, probably at that moment, you don't really feel like you're not in love because you're in love. That's why you have to keep yourself there. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, why you would lock your, your door at night is to keep things out that you don't want to come in, right? So you don't get up and lock your door when the guy's trying to break in. You, you go ahead. could be a woman. Why is it always a guy burglar? There's women burglars, too. Anyways, 2021, it's whatever kind of burglar you want to be. Uh, true story, true story. I was in the airport. I may have told this, but just laugh because it's funny anyways. Uh, and just humor me. I was in the airport with Elijah and before his 13th birthday. We were going through TSA, and I said, you have to take your shoes off. And he took his shoes off, and the lady behind the conveyor belt said, how old are you? And she, he said, 12. And she said, oh, you don't have to have your shoes, shoes on. I said, well, why not? She said, because he's 12. Anyone 12 and under doesn't have to take, take their shoes off. And I said, uh, ma'am, I identify as a 12-year-old. Total straight face. She just kind of looked at me, and I said, you think I'm kidding, but it's coming. You watch, it's coming. And then the guy behind me said, I also identify as a 12-year-old. <laughs> See, all this nonsense, how do you think they're going to they're legalize pedophilia? You say, oh, they're not trying to legalize it. There are already groups of pedophilias demanding their rights. We have the right to be with children because we feel like we're a child. All the much more to pray in tongues. Praying in tongues will keep you in a, in a messed up world, will keep you in a place because it's a faith action. It will keep you in a place of keeping your eyes and your heart and your whole being on the Lord. Because, again, it goes back to, and this is something we're supposed to practice, and you can make a decision to intentionally pray in tongues. You don't have to wait. You know, it's not like the old Pentecostal kind of idea, like, oh, this, I feel the Spirit coming on me. 
No, it's, it's very intentional. You take the word, you take truth, you take what you know, and you practice this in your own life. And when you do it, you'll get the results. You'll get the results of it. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit OCIPerryville.com.